Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. The Sixers tie up this series 1-1 as Shake Milton has a huge performance off the bench. The Hawks are able to call all the way back into this game against the Sixers, but Shake Milton comes off the bench and provides the punches the Sixers need to get a big win in the fourth quarter. Without further ado, let's get into it. After that win in Game 1, I wanted the Hawks to get greedy and come back to Atlanta with a 2-0 lead, but the 76ers, to their credit, did not let that happen. They came out, and the Sixers threw a massive haymaker at the beginning of this game, getting up by as many as 18 points in the first quarter. And while it seemed like you know there's a ton of energy in that arena up there, and also that the Sixers had taken the challenge of coming out and uh, taking it to the number 5 seed Hawks, I really wasn't that worried. The Hawks were getting good looks. They just weren't going down, and the Sixers weren't scoring at any ridiculous rate. The Sixers would put up 33 points in that first quarter, but really 33 points isn't too many. The Hawks are not known as any sort of defensive stalwart or anything, and it wasn't the 76ers scoring that was really disappointing, but it was the shot making from the Hawks, or I should say lack of shot making, um, when they were getting good shots. Now, you could tell that the Sixers had definitely made a couple of adjustments, Ben Simmons came out and was on Trey Young right away, and also um, they were doing a much better job of getting Tobias Harris started in this game. Tobias Harris would have an awesome first quarter. He was 8 of 9 with 16 points, and the Sixers themselves would outscore the Hawks in the paint 24 to 10 in that first quarter, and it really set the tone. I thought the Sixers did a really nice job of being like, we're getting in the paint, and we're going to really force your bigs to try to stop us. Um, Joel Embiid, of course, is going to be part of that. He would have another monster game, 40 points. But again, it is not his 39-point performance in Game 1 or even his 40-point performance in this game that was really worrying to me as a Hawks fan. But it was how the Hawks came out, and they kind of didn't didn't get into what they wanted to do early. I thought, in particular, John Collins was sort of taken out of his game after having a very strong Game 1. He did not. He was not as aggressive and... Um, Did not take advantage of all his opportunities in this one, but um, the 76ers came out and in that first quarter threw that big haymaker and got up again by as many as 18 points. The Hawks didn't panic at all, and the Hawks had a huge quarter themselves in the second. They outscored the 76ers 35-24 to and would go in at halftime down two points. Um, The Hawks got a really strong performance off the bench. The bench unit for the Hawks outscored the um, 76ers bench. Um, by over 20 points, and that was because the 76ers bench couldn't score at all. Um, they went with the 76ers went with Maxi, Dwight Howard, Furkan Korkmaz, um, George Hill early, and that lineup was largely ineffective. The Hawks got really good performances from Lou Williams, Danilo Gallinari, and Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter, in particular, Red Velvet would have one of his great games. Um, he played so effectively. I think that the Hawks could look at moving him into the starting lineup. If DeAndre Hunter isn't able to go again, um, this game was like game one in that the 76ers were able to play Joel Embiid, but the Hawks did not have their second-year player in DeAndre Hunter. So the Hawks fight all the way back after being down 18 early in this game and are just down two, and it went to a third quarter that was just really back and forth. Um, The 76ers came out again through the first punch. I thought it was really disappointing that the Hawks' first possession of the second half they get a turnover. Turnovers would be a big issue for the Hawks this whole game. 
Um, they would have 18 turnovers that turned into a ton of points for the 76ers. Along with getting in the paint, the 76ers made it a point to move the ball up the court, whether it was on a make of the Hawks or a miss. And a lot of those live ball turnovers for the Hawks turned into easy points for the 76ers. After the 76ers had nine first quarter turnovers in game one, they would only have nine turnovers the entire game. And in a game that was decided by 16 points, the disparity in the turnovers was huge. Um, Again, this game in the third quarter would be a game of runs. Uh, The 76ers would start the quarter on a 14-4 run. The Hawks would answer right back with a 15-4 run of their own and briefly take the lead. And then the 76ers would close the quarter on a 12-4 run that would explode into a 19-5 run to start the fourth quarter, and it was really the big blow um, against the Hawks. And the main spark plug for that was one Shake Milton. Now, I got to like Shake Milton. He went to SMU. Um, so pony up, but he had been relegated to the bench so far in this series and really this playoffs. Um, but Doc Rivers had to try anything off the bench. I don't think it was any like brilliant move like we talked about earlier. The 76ers bench had provided zero, literally nothing early in this game. And so he went to Shake Milton, who had a really nice uh, performance in the bubble last season and then was pretty solid uh, for the first half of the 76ers regular season in this season, but had not been at quite as effective, again, getting DNPs in the earlier playoff series and not getting a ton of run in game one. But he would come off the bench, hit a couple three-pointers. He hit a big three-pointer right at the end of the third quarter that stretched a four-point lead to a seven-point lead. Um, and he would come in, and in 15 minutes of play, uh, shake mil- 14 minutes of play, he would put up uh, 14 points on five of eight shooting. His three-point making was pretty ridiculous, Along with the end of the quarter three-pointer, his first three, he got it on the move, hit a shot, and was able to help the 76ers build up the lead. It felt like any time the Hawks got close and even got their first lead in this game, the 76ers were able to stop that run and go on a run of their own. And uh, uh, Jake Milton was a big part of that for the Sixers at the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. Um, In the fourth quarter, the Hawks just could never get close. It was a lot of scrambling, and just I really did not like the lineup that Nate McMillan put in to start the fourth quarter. Um, I can't really fault him for trying it. That lineup had been extremely productive in the first half, and it had been able to get the Hawks back into this game. But uh, Doc Rivers had changed the bench lineup for the 76ers, and the Hawks' backup lineup was not the same one that was going against the same 76ers lineup that had been so good against. Um, In particular, Dwight Howard really took it to John Collins in this matchup, and it, it, it's just not a place where you're putting in John Collins in a position to succeed. He is not a strong defensive center, um, and a lot of his uh, activity and positivity on the defensive side comes as a help defender, and the 76ers were taking advantage of that and going into Dwight, so John had to be the primary defender. But um, a lot of credit goes to the 76ers for riding that momentum and then building a huge lead into the fourth quarter not taking their foot off the gas. You thought maybe Joel Embiid wouldn't have to come back into the game, but Rivers reinserted his MVP candidate um, with about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and the Sixers made sure that they evened this series at one-to-one. But um, it was really good to see the Hawks take the first punch and come back, and then not only do that, the 76ers went on multiple runs. They had that early 18-point um, lead, 
and they would build double-digit leads a few times in this game, and each time the Hawks were able to answer. The Hawks got really big performances off the bench from Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Herter, and it's just sort of frustrating that they fought so hard to get back into it, and then they let it really get out of hand at the end of the game. But um, this was a good game for the Hawks. This wasn't one where it looked like you know that game one was a fluke or anything like that. And uh, they come back to State Farm Arena to try to take a 2-1 series lead. But let's look at some of the individual performances. We'll start with the Hawks first. This was definitely Trey Young's like weakest performance of the playoffs so far. He was 6 of 16 from the field, just 1 of 7 on his three-pointers. He did still get to the free-throw line. He was 8 of 9 there for 21 points. He had 3 rebounds, 11 assists, a steal, and 4 turnovers. And if he's going to get 11 assists, I'm totally okay with 4 turnovers, but it just can't be turnovers that happen that give the 76ers runouts. There was one in particular where he was trying to get the ball to Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Trey threw the ball right to Danny Green. Now, I think that anytime Danny Green is on the court for the 76ers, that's a win for the Hawks. Danny Green has not proven that he can do anything on the offensive end of the court. He had five points in this game, all five coming in that first quarter. And while he does some nice things defensively, most of the time Trey Young or whoever uh, Danny Green is guarding can go right around him and get to the rim. But um, Trey's just got to be a little better with the ball. And also he cannot be... He cannot just settle for some of his long three-pointers. I'm not saying he should stop shooting three-pointers, but when it's clear that the 76ers have made it a prerogative to take long rebounds or really to take any rebounds and get it up the court, you're putting the Hawks in a really tough position of trying to get back in transition off of a long rebound. And um, that's something that Trey's just going to have to figure out and understand when the 76ers are being aggressive like that and um, when he needs to get into the paint and when he needs to get back. Bogdan Bogdanovich had a tough game. He was 16, 6 of 16 as well. Just 2 of 6 from 3-point land for 14 points. His two threes came in the third quarter and were part of a big run for the Hawks that got them back into the game. He hit one three right in front of the 76ers bench to get the Hawks within one. And it was just classic Bogdan. He was so hyped up. He got a shot off really quick. Early in this game, he was the only Hawk that was scoring. He was able to get into the paint and have a couple floaters go in. Um, But he ended the game with 14 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, and 1 steal. Clint Capella, um, again, his primary job is just trying to slow down Joel Embiid. In that regard, I thought he did a good job of making Embiid work. Again, Embiid ended up with 40 points. And you you could ask the question, like, how can somebody be a good defender or how could he do a good job if the guy he's guarding gets 40 points? Well, um, he, he really forces Embiid to settle sometimes. Embiid is okay shooting threes. He's okay shooting mid-range shots, but I'd much rather have Embiid taking those shots than getting into the paint every time and getting and ones. Now again, Embiid got to the free throw line over 15 times, but I thought Capella did a much better job. You can tell he started to learn a few of Joel's moves, and uh, it was a fun battle. Uh, Capella had his own top of the process dunk where Trey got him the ball right over Joel Embiid. Um, But Capella finished with 10 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist, 5 fouls, and 3 turnovers. Capella only played 27 and a half minutes because of that foul trouble. But honestly, I thought um, Capella did a nice job of really shadowing Embiid and making Embiid really work for the points that he got. John Collins, again, I thought this was just a really uh, uninspired performance or just, it wasn't, 
it wasn't John's best effort. He was four of 11, 11 from the field, just O of one on the, from the three point line. Frankly, uh, John Collins has got to shoot more than one three pointer. One of his big swing skills is just how good of a shooter he has become at that four position. And for him to settle for just one three um, is, is frankly unacceptable. Um, he's too good of a shooter and too good of a player to do that. Uh, he's done a really nice job defending um, Tobias Harris or Ben Simmons. But on the offensive side of the ball, John Collins needs to be more assertive and he needs to be more comfortable. He doesn't have to get into the paint and challenge Joel Embiid on the offensive side of the ball. Use your strength. Take that three-pointer. Stretch the 76ers out. He had finished the game with eight points. He did have 10 rebounds, four of those offensive, one assist. He fouled out in 35 minutes. And again, he had two blocks. His best uh, asset of Again, is his weak side help, and John Collins continues to grow on the defensive end, but again, grows as a four and not a five. I, I really would not want to see the lineups with Danilo Gallinari and John Collins as your front line anymore. Um, it really worked at the beginning of this game in the first half, but in the second half, it did not work at all, uh, and I think it does not put JC in a position to succeed. Um, rounding out the starters, Solomon Hill again got the start without a DeAndre Hunter. He um, played just eight minutes, didn't make a shot, and had two rebounds. Um, and I think at this point, and we'll talk about Kevin Herter's performance, but if DeAndre Hunter is unable to go, I would much rather just have Kevin Herter be elevated and put in that starting lineup um, because Solomon Hill just doesn't do anything. He's not really stretching the floor. The other team's not a, not going to um, really guard him out there, honor his uh, reputation as any sort of shooter or anything like that. And then on the defensive end, I mean, if he's going to be matched up with Tobias Harris and Tobias Harris goes off for 16 points in the first quarter, it's just not really a win. So I'd shift Bogdan over to defend Tobias Harris, have Herter be on Curry, and just put Hill back on the bench. Herter was awesome. This was definitely one of his best performance, I think, in the postseason. He played 36 minutes, was 8 of 10 from the field, 3 of 5 from three-point land, had 20 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists. He did have four turnovers. The turnovers, again, hurt the Hawks really bad. But um, Herter also had two blocks, including just an awesome block. He wiped away a George Hill shot, took the ball, and threw it down for a dunk. That was part part of the run that got the Hawks back into this game. Um, Red Velvet just continues to be great energy off the bench. It's awesome to see how aggressive he's become shooting the ball and getting into the mid-range. He knows exactly how to get into the paint. But he doesn't get close enough to Embiid where Embiid can bother a shot as uh, Red Velvet's able to elevate with his 6'7 frame and hit a couple buckets. Um, Danilo Gallinari had 21 points in 26 minutes. He was 7 of 15 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3, had 9 rebounds, 2 assists. Both Gallo and Herter were huge reasons why the Hawks were able to get back into this game. Lou Williams had a couple of effective stints, but I thought overall... Uh, Nate McMillan needs to be a little more judicious with playing his small two guard. Uh, Lou would play 15 minutes, have six points on one of three shooting, was four of four from the free throw line, had one rebound, but was minus 11. That minus 11 was easily the worst plus minus uh, for the bench. Of course, when the big difference and big run for the 76ers is when uh, Shake Milton comes in and uh, Lou Williams is one of the primary guys on Shake Milton. He's going to get hung up with that, but I just thought that uh, Nate, Nate stuck with Lou a little too too long in the second half. Okongwu only got six minutes of playing time. 
and didn't show too much. And then Tony Snell played a little bit before getting hit in the face by um, Joel Embiid and having to leave the game and get stitches in his mouth. On the 76er side of the ball, starts with Joel Embiid. He was 13 of 25, uh, 2 of 5 on his three-pointers for 40 points. He had 13 rebounds, 2 assists. He did get 5 fouls and a technical foul. Um, He had 2 steals, 3 turnovers, and a block. Uh, Tobias Harris really kept it going early on for the 76ers. He was 11 of 19 for 22 points. He had 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal and a block. Um, Seth Curry, Steph Curry's brother, this is someone that the Hawks have to pay more attention to. You can leave just about anyone else on the 76ers at the three-point line, but you cannot leave Steph Curry. And Steph Curry was able to get open a couple times in transitions, a couple times off offensive rebounds, and get good looks. But uh, Seth was 8 of 13 um, for 21 points. He has 5 of 6 from the three-point line. He had two assists and three fouls. Another thing you can do with Seth, it's just like the 76ers are trying to attack Trey. The Hawks can try to attack Seth, um, and the Hawks just have bigger dudes than Seth Curry and should be able to go right through him. Um, Danny Green started again. I don't know how much longer um, Doc Rivers is going to go with Danny Green. Sure, he brings a veteran presence, but he brings nothing on the offensive side of the ball. He played 26 minutes, was 2 of 6, again had all five of his points in the first half. He did have eight assists, two steals, and a block. Finally, Ben Simmons primarily guarded Trey for a lot of this game. He was two of three from the field for four points, had three rebounds, seven assists, two steals, and a block. Finally, Shake Milton came in in the second half, was five of eight, had 14 points, three rebounds, and assists, was plus 15 in a game won by 16 points, um, and again, was really the big difference maker as the Sixers beat the Hawks 118 to 102. Um, you know, they, to come back from Philadelphia with a 1-1 series tie, it certainly will take that. Don't want um, to be negative about that at all, but I did think it was a little disappointing that the Hawks had an opportunity after getting hit in the mouth in the first quarter, getting down multiple times, ultimately coming all the way back and getting the lead, and then kind of letting it go. That was a little disappointing, but this, there's a lot to like for this Hawks team. This wasn't any sort of domination, um, and the Hawks can come back and if they defend home court they can go back up to philadelphia and try to take this series up there but they're coming to state farm arena tied 1-1 that game is on friday i'm sure state farm arena is going to be rocking so get down there early and the Kettlecast will be here to talk to you about game three after that go hawks thank you for catching this episode of the Kettlecast. you can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com go hawks